0: Welcome to My Bible Study, a verse-by-verse devotional study through the Bible with Pastor Bob Thibodeau. In this unique series, Pastor Bob takes you through the Bible just a few verses at a time. No preaching, just a simple Bible reading with examples and explanations of the meaning behind the scriptures. My Bible Study will take you from Genesis chapter 1 all the way through the book of Revelation. Now, here is Pastor Bob Thibodeau.
1: Let's get back on Genesis chapter 11 here. The people's hearts had every evil imagination. The fact they spoke the same language just made it easier for them to work together. And Working together, people can accomplish more than working as individuals. Amen? So even today, if those other countries and the American people could sit down and talk together in the same language, we'd find we have many things in common. I mean, they love their families. We love our families. They want a peaceful world just as we want a peaceful world. You see, the heads of government are the ones who are having the problems, seeking power. That's where wars come from. Normally, wars won't come between, you know, people, people. They don't want war. The wars come because the governments, we want this. Well, we don't want to give it to you. Boom, now we got a war, right? So the governments of the people are the ones who have the conflicts. They use the people as pawns in their efforts to impose their will on other people. The people themselves want peace. And true peace can only come through Jesus Christ. Amen. Praise the Lord. Don't shut me down when I'm preaching good. Amen. These people working together were not good because Nimrod's descendants followed false gods. Amen. Whatever they did would be bad because their hearts were evil. In verse 7, it says, Go to, let us go down, and there confound their language that they may not understand one another's speech. So let us go down. Again, the plural does not refer to angels, but is the Trinity, the plural of majesty. God the Father speaking to Jesus, probably. Jesus, the, the, for lack of a better term, say the doer of the Godhead, they were going to make it impossible for the people to understand each other. So in verse eight, so the Lord scattered them abroad from there upon the face of all the earth and they left off to build the city. The Lord scattered them. God addressed their prideful rebellion at the very first act. They had chosen to settle. He forced them to scatter. This account tells how it was that the families of the earth were separated, everyone according to their own language, right? Remember back in 10.5? They were separated on the earth after the flood, verse 32 in chapter 10. What men will not willingly do, but God needs done, God forces them to do through judgment, Right? Today there are more than three thousand different languages and dialects of languages. Three thousand. Why? The result of this confusion, right here in verse nine, it caused people to to group together. You know, they're talking to one another, How you do? and all of a sudden, oh, oh yeah, I understand you. Okay, and now there's two, and then, oh, oh there, hey, hey, yeah, yeah, you hear us, right? You understand, yeah? Come over. Right? Now there's three, and they start grouping together. And understanding one another. And then they scattered in order to live where their little groups could be and when they could understand one another, help one another and survive, right? That was the scattering of mankind. The name Babel is linked with the Hebrew word "balal," which is to confuse. And that's what Babel really means, is to confound or to confuse, right? The ancient Babylonians, Babel, right, called the city Babalu, meaning the gate of God. At any rate, there is a pun in the construction of Babel, Balalel, when the Bible city, or in the Bible, this city came to symbolize a godless society. Right? And, and Daniel 3 talks about that your know, pleasures, sins, superstitions, as well as its riches and eventual doom. You know, uh, Saddam Hussein tried to reconstruct the city of of Babylon. Remember, all these things are the same. Babel, Babylon, right? And it didn't work. He died too, right? But certain lessons appear here. Number one, boastful pride, arrogance, focus on material power. That's all sinful in God's eyes. And the theme behind it all, pride, pride. Yahweh, God's purpose, lasts forever. It never changes. Every plan he formulates is inevitably implemented in spite of all the effort of man to say, I'm not going to do it. Think about your child. Little Johnny, I need you to go in there and clean your room. No. (laughs) Uh, I can't believe you just said no. I said, go clean your room. No, I'm not going to do it. Little man, let me tell you who you're speaking. Let me just remind you who you're speaking to here. No, I don't care. I'm not going to do it. And then dad gets up. Usually at that point in time, little Johnny will say, okay, and off he goes. But if he stands up, puffs out his chest, says, I don't care what you do to me. I'm not going to clean my room. Yeah. That usually doesn't bode too well for little Johnny. Right? And, uh, tell you a quick story. I was like little Johnny. I was about 13, 14 years old. And, uh, I wasn't going to do so. I can't remember what the, the purpose was, but I decided I'd had enough of being told what I was going to do, what, you know, all that. And I puffed up my chest. My dad did say he got up, I stood my ground. My dad started laughing. He says, you think you're tough enough to take me? I was taking karate at the time. I said, yep. It's all right. Tell you what, let's go outside. Every time I knock you down, you give me ten dollars. Every time you knock me down, I give you twenty. I'm like, <laughs> oh yeah, I'm gonna build up my bank account now. This is yeah, let's go. I figured I, you know, I I knew karate. Well, I end up losing about fifty bucks to my dad that day, so it didn't work out too well, right? But that's the same thing. People do the same thing with God. I'm not going to do it. God says, oh, yes, you are. <laughs> right? His goal, his plans, they will be implemented one way or another. All right? So God's plans endure forever. Every plan he makes will come to pass in spite of all the efforts of man to do otherwise. It just may be a little bit more painful in the process. That's all. The people, God said, will go into all the earth, and they will go into all the earth one way or another. Unity and peace are not the ultimate goals in a sinful world. They want division. That's why you see the the fake news, you know, the the drive-by media with all that, you know, everything they do is about creating division in this nation, not unity. Everything they do is about division and not unity. Unity and peace are not their goal because it's better for them to be divided so they got something to talk about, right? And all that does is create Apostasy, really. God scattered this wicked group to what now are many different countries, changing their language so they would not be able to cooperate in their evil adventures anymore, right? What a contrast to the day of Pentecost. Oh, praise God, right? Every man heard in his own language the same message from God. Hallelujah. Shout amen, somebody, about that one, right? They all say, wow. How is it all these different people that speak different languages, how is it we hear them all speaking the same thing? Praise God. But that was, that was the opposite of what we're reading about right now in Genesis 11. Verse 9. Therefore is the name of it called Babel, because the Lord Jehovah did there confound the language of all the earth. And from there did the Lord Jehovah scatter them abroad upon the face of the earth. The name is called Babel. Linking to the Hebrew word meaning to confuse. So, from this account, Israel first understood not only how so many nations, peoples, and languages came about, but also the rebellious origins of their enemy, right? Babylon. So, it scattered them because they would not fill the earth as God commanded them to do. God confused their language. They had to separate and collect in regions with people that they could understand where this own particular language was being spoken. That's how all these different nations started. The word Babel is used today to mean something spoken unintelligibly, something difficult to understand. If they wouldn't scatter on their own, then God would do it for them. Praise the Lord. So there's, then there's a definite break here. We take up the ancestry of Shem which is another group entirely, right? We see that beginning in verse 10. Uh, Shem, and to Abram, the genealogy of Shem, verse 10, is what started. These are the generations of Shem. Shem was 100 years old, begot Apexedad two years after the flood, right? Here we see the beginning of the genealogy of Abram, later known as Abraham. The shortening of lifespans, Started, we can see the effect. Uh, Shem lived after we got 500 years. He begat sons and daughters. Right, generations of Shem. One, uh, like I said, genealogy, of the posterity of Shem. Not all of them. Right, only of those that were pertinent to the line of Abraham, by which might appear the true line in which the Messiah from Adam through Abraham could be traced. Shem was one hundred years old. We get Arphaxad two years after the flood, which is uh, it's pretty plain that he was younger than Japheth. Okay, in verse twenty-one, the new section opening with the usual formula. You can go look at, at you know Genesis two four five one six nine ten one. reverts to the main purpose of the inspired narrative, which is to trace the onward development of the line of promise to Jesus. It does this by carrying forward the genealogical history of the Holy Seed through ten generations till it reaches Abram. While Noah, with his 950 years, belonged entirely to the old world, now we see Shem, born before the flood, reaching the age of 600. So that's 350 years shorter than dad, right? Then we see, we get, Arphex said, two years after the flood when he was 100 years old. So we start seeing two different things happening here. The flood, the separation of the human race into nations. This exerted a powerful influence in the shortening of the duration of life. The former by altering the climate of the earth and the latter by changing the habits of men. But while the length of life diminished, the children were born proportionately earlier. The usual phrase, these are the generations, marks the beginning of the fifth document. According to, now, how can I put this? We're entering a new phase here of human development. The nations have gradually departed from the living God. They have not, however, stopped Doing ungodliness. They've fallen into, you know, polytheism and idolatry. The knowledge of the one true God, the maker, the possessor, the upholder of heaven and earth. They're turning away from him. But the promises, first to the race of Adam, that the seed of the woman would bruise the serpent's head. Then to the family of Noah, that the Lord should be the God of Shem, they were still in force. The promises were there. It's obvious from the promise that the seed of the woman, well, you can now expect that through the line of Shem. And verse 10 lets us know Shem was 98 years old when the flood was over. That, this too makes you wonder about the belief that Noah was 120 years in building the ark. Notice in verse 11 something. Shem lived after he begot it, five hundred years begot sons and daughters. The apparent dropping of the names of the other children were not in the lineage of Jesus. Here again you see the Bible is not written in chronological order. These few verses were going more into detail about those who were mentioned in Jesus' lineage. In verse 12 and 13, our had lived uh, 5 and 30 years, begat Selah. And had lived after he begat Selah 430 years and begat sons and daughters. So you see the lineage, and it's known that there are other children also, but we're focusing on this one, right? Our had lived 35 years, we got Selah. Arphexed is the first on record that had a son born to him so early of Selah. 35 years. Normally it's 100 years, 160 years. This one was born early. There's a reason here. You're starting to see the shortening of a human lifespan. Selah lived 30 years. We got Eber. Again, a little shorter. Eber is the the ancestor of the Hebrews. Eber's descendants. That's where you get Hebrew. Hebrew is contained in the word. Right? So Genesis uh, eleven fifteen through nineteen. Salah lived after we got Abra four hundred and three years and begat sons and daughters. Abra lived forty three years. begat Peleg. Abra lived after we got Peleg four hundred and thirty years, beginning begat sons and daughters. Peleg lived thirty years. begot got Now Peleg lived after we got Rio two hundred nine years. We got sons and daughters. Notice something here. These years were like our years. Because these people were having their first children around the age of thirty. Now, granted, today sometimes it's earlier now, but I'm just saying in general. Something else is interesting. Lifespans were decreasing little bit by little bit with each generation. Verses ten through twenty-two. Reo lived thirty-two years. We got Sarug, and Reo lived after we got Sarug two hundred and seven years, and we got sons and daughters. Sarug lived thirty years, and we got Nahor. Now, I want to stop and take a look at a few of these names. Reo means friend. In Luke, Reo is called Rego. Being the ancestry of Abraham, it's important to remember who these people were. Reo's son, Sarug is the great-grandfather of Abraham. Sarag was the father of Nahor. and Luke's name is translated in Greek, came out as But there was a city... In Mesopotamia, near Haran, which tells us these Hebrews really did come to Haran to live. Naor, if you look it up in the concordance, Naor means snoring. <laughs> Naor was the son of Sarug who probably kept him awake at night snoring, or whatever he's, I don't know. But Naor was the son of Sarug and father of Terah. Naor would be the grandfather of Abraham. Now later in this lesson as we go through this, you'll realize that one of Abraham's brothers was named Nahor as well, named after his dad. And Luke, many of these names sound a little bit different because they've been translated into Greek in the New Testament. But Genesis uh, eleven twenty three through twenty five. Sarag lived after begot Nahor two hundred years, a little shorter, begot sons and daughters. Nahor lived Twenty-nine years we got Terra. Nair lived after we got Terra. Two hundred nineteen years beginning in sons and daughters. While Noah lived with his nine hundred and fifty years, he belonged entirely to the old world. Shem, who was born before the flood, reached six hundred. Arphaxad lived only four hundred thirty-eight years. Salah four thirty-three. Eber four sixty-four. Peleg duration of life fell to two thirty-nine. Reu also lived two thirty-nine. Sarag two thirty. Nahor. Only 148, almost half. In verse 26, Terah lived 70 years, begot Abram, Naor, and Haran. 70 years, the age that Terah began to father children. Abram was born later when Terah was. Begat Abram, Naor, and Haran. Abram was not the oldest, but is mentioned first since God chose him for the messianic line. Right? From the same pattern. According to 12.4, Abraham was 75 years old when he departed Haran. And according to verse 32, Terah died when he was 205, which means Abram was born when his father was 130 years old. So you can see he's not the oldest child. Abram means exalted father. That signifies his honored status as the one who God's chosen people would come through later in verse 17 or chapter 17 his name be changed to abraham which means father of a great multitude but he was born approximately as near as we can tell 2165 bc all right now in genesis 11 verse 26 and terah lived 70 years we got abram naor and Haran. the Geology closes. Okay, just like in Genesis 5.32 with the names of the three sons of Terah, all of whom sustain an important relation to the subsequent history. In other words, Abram as the father of the chosen family, Naor as the ancestor of Rebekah. Okay, compare Genesis 11.29 with Genesis 22, verse 20 through 23. Haran was the father of Lot. Right, these are all important uh people that we're gonna continue to studying about in the Bible. So that's why they, their names are mentioned here. The reason three sons was because all three would enter into the movement of the history of Abraham. All three would be impacting that. Terah, the father of Abram, or Abraham, was an idolater, believe it or not. You can read that in Joshua. Joshua 24, 2 says, And Joshua said all the people, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, Your fathers dwelt on the other side of the flood in old time, even Terah, the father of Abraham, the father of Naor, and they served other gods. So we'll find later on that they settled in Ur of the Chaldees. The word Abram means high father, and we'll see that Abram changed to Abraham in future lessons. Okay, We're not getting into that now. The name Haran means a road, a caravan, or a route. Now verses uh 11:27 uh talks about the genealogy of Terah, right? 27:20. Now these are the generations of Terah. Terah begot Abram, Nahor, Haran. Haran begot Lot. Abram means fa- exalted father. Uh 11:28 Haran died before his father Terah in the land of nativity of his nativity in Ur of the Chaldees. That's a prosperous populous city located in Mesopotamia. Now most locate Ur of the Chaldees in southern Mesopotamia while others some say it was in northern Mesopotamia uh, at Her- Urfa, Harran that's really not important. If indeed Abram Abraham migrated from this city to Harran he left behind an advanced culture to put his faith strictly on the promises of God, right? And it is This Ur was one of the most supposed to be one of the most spectacular cities in the ancient world, and God says, "Leave all that behind and follow me." And Abraham did. Okay, it was located according to biblical scholars. Ur was located about ten miles west of the Euphrates River, near the Persian Gulf, about two hundred miles southeast or so of Baghdad. It's significant, though, in scripture as the city from which Abraham departed and his pilgrimage to the promised land, verse 31. Archaeological excavations were begun there in 1854. The most significant work was done in the, the 1920s and 30s, and they discovered gold helmets, gold daggers, drinking cups, a royal cemetery where kings were buried, right, uh, clay tablets, and all these things, you know, were found there. Uh, it had... It demonstrated they had one of the most advanced cultures in the ancient world at the time. And we see here that Abram's brother Haran died and left Abraham with Lot, Abraham's nephew. And it seemed like the whole family lived in Ur of the Chaldees at that time. In verse 29, it says, And Abraham and Naor took them wives. The name of Abram's wife was Sarai, and the name of Naor's wife, Milcah, the daughter of Haran, father of Milcah, and the father of Iscah. Right. Milcah was mentioned prominently here because she was the grandmother of Rebekah, who later married Isaac. See how it's all tying together here? In verse 30, but Sarai was barren. She had no child. Sarai probably means contentious. Later on, God changed her name to Sarah, which means princess. Later in scriptures, Abraham would call Sarah his sister. That's over in chapter 20. Says indeed, she is my sister, the daughter of my father, not the daughter of my mother, and she became my wife. So she was his half sister. Uh, scripture doesn't go into details. So we well, isn't that incest? Not at the time. That didn't become uh, something that God said don't do until after Moses brought the Hebrews out, uh, when the the population of you know, a few million people came out of the land. He said, okay, now don't marry your sister, your father's daughter, you know, all that stuff. But at any rate, Sarai did not have any children to this point. In verse 31, we see, and Terah took Abram his son, Lot the son of Haran and his sons, and Sarah his daughter-in-law, his son Abram's wife. They went forth with them from Ur of the Chaldees to go into the land of Canaan. And they came to Haran and dwelt there. Haran was a commercial center on the main highway linking the Mediterranean coast to the Euphrates River. The city was a center of the Babylonian moon cult, right? and was probably founded by Sumerians from Ur. Haran is identified in scripture as the city that Terah settled in after leaving Ur and the place Abraham departed from to go south into Canaan. Later, Abraham's servant went back to Haran to find a bride for Isaac. And Jacob let, fled to Haran when he was fleeing from Esau. So there, Jacob married Leah and Rachel, and excavations were concluded there in the 1950s, revealing that the early culture of the Sumerian city and his later uh, Syrian influence, okay? But well, I don't want to get in too much detail because we'll cover that later. But the city Haran was named for the man Haran, right? Uh, Ur came to Haran. Abram traveled along the Euphrates to Haran, and it's basically a crossroads trading town. Okay, the, it was the best route to come down into Canaan and avoid crossing the have to go through the desert with all the people and the animals. Okay, so it was just a trading route. But the city Haran was named after the man Haran, and Abram at this time seemed to have taken responsibility for raising Lot, is what it seems like. And finally, in verse 32, the days of Terah were 205 years, and Terah died in Haran. Now, with the death of Abram's father, Terah, this left Abraham kind of in charge of the entire family now, right? At any rate, from this point on, Abram felt responsible for Lot. Uh, Note again here, the lifespans of the people are getting shorter and shorter. Now, one thing I forgot to mention is that if you begin with Adam and you add up all of the years to Abram, you'll discover that Abram was born 1,948 years after Adam. Why is that significant? Well, Abram is the promise to the believers. Israel is the promise to the Jews. Israel was born... 1948 years AD, in our time, 1948. Coincidence? I don't think so. I believe that God is so specific in what he's doing. And he has these little signposts along the way.
0: Thank you for joining Pastor Bob as he leads you verse-by-verse through the Bible in this series called My Bible Study. We pray this study will bring you closer to God and reveal His Word and His will for you through the Scriptures. We would consider it an honor and a blessing if you would support this outreach with your financial offerings. We have partnered with Patreon to offer you unique gifts and benefits for various levels of giving. Please visit our page on Patreon by going to patreon.com forward slash my Bible study podcast, all one word. That link again is patreon.com forward slash my Bible study podcast, all one word. Until next time, be blessed in all that you do.